Hey yo, what's going on? It's your man Gerard Kniff. Thank you for checking out the podcast. This is supposed to be a different podcast. This is episode 47. Um, it is called RB's Hidden Gym, the RB historian featuring Kevin Michaels. Um, we did a, a Facebook Live and a, a YouTube Live on this as well. So um, I was really excited about this particular podcast. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy listening to it, checking out the audio, and just really gleaning from this brother here. <laughs> Be sure to follow this man on uh, YouTube as well. It's Calvin Michaels, okay? So uh, let's go ahead without further ado. We're going to go ahead and get into the conversation. How you doing tonight, sir? I am good. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, all is well on this end. You know, I live in D.C., so it's been very eventful two days. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot going man. on around me, but that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know what? Before we actually get into what we're going to get into, uh, you already talked about it a little bit. So I don't want to like take the time to like for you to like rehash all that stuff. But just a brief summary, like me personally, um, I try not to watch the news because I'll stress out. And so I, I came from rehearsal and uh, one, of the, uh, one of the team members was talking about it. And I was like, man, I don't want to hear that. I get on and check it, and I kind of like laughed a little bit because I was like, yo, what is this? I was like, yo, what's, what's, what's going on here? And then we know the famous phrase, if it were black people, then, Literally. you know, yeah, yep. we, we all know that. And it's, and it's like, I think, I won't say the world at least, but the country itself is like, you know what, even they're like, yeah, if it were black people, this would never, ever, ever happen. The irony is what I thought about, which is a weird type of irony, is that they broke into this house built by black people. That, I think mm -hmm. that was my thing. I was like, man, it's like in some roundabout way, quote unquote, and this may be a reach. They just broke into our own house that was stolen from us, so to speak. So, and the people who got to clean, who had to clean it up this morning were black folks and brown folks. Really? Clean up the mess. Yeah. When you talk about Bro. the people in Parks and Rec that are, you know, cleaning in the, the housekeeping staff and sanitation yeah. workers yeah that's mm. that's the people of the city who you know don't really have their hand in politics like that as far right. as being in power but you know it just it shows how everything works full circle yeah man and it's it's i thought that was ridiculous i somebody <laughs> somebody put a post and said that somebody locked the doors with a cheeto <laughs> I, I saw that one too with a little padlock on the side yeah like, y'all yeah. jump in the floodgate y'all come on in right come, on, I, come I was, on in here I was like, something's off, man. I was like, somebody like let them in. And then there was other videos where the cops, some cops were like doing selfies with the people. I was like, bro, this, like, what is, it is, what is going on with our country, man? And and what my thing is, I made a post and um, there's this guy, his name is, uh, Pat, he died, died a couple years ago. His name is uh, Stephen Darby. He had talked about this particular thing. He said, it's the Civil War technically transpiring. And as mm -hmm. much as they're trying to make it a race war, it's a civil war, like like a, a, a weird reminiscent of a, if I can say like that, of a civil war, right? And it's between the Republicans or basically the North and the South all over again. And it's like, well, we can't be slave, we can't have slaves anymore, but we want to be racist still. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Or something weird like that. And it's like, it's like, yo, we need to stay out of that. You know what I'm saying? Because like it's like even with the polls, you saw that how it was like they were fighting each other. It wasn't 
we got our own battles, right? Right. But when it came to these politics in reference to like who's going to be the next president, we weren't actually we had our own little arguments amongst amongst ourselves, but nobody was actually throwing hands. Mm-hmm. Our counterpart citizens were really about the fight. Some of us were fighting each other, and I thought that was ridiculous. So it's like a lot of us we just like, hey yo, I mean you can pray if you want to, do what you need to do because we live here in this country, but stay out of that. Don't yeah, don't actually way, physically don't get yourself involved. Yeah, the way I was at home minding my business from down the street <laughs> watching it on TV, like y'all just keep that over there and don't bring that mess over here. That's right. All I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Right. I can picture somebody I can picture somebody like, help me and Dave Chappelle is like, nah, we not helping. And you know you. the crazy part was um I don't live too far from where everything was happening. And so a lot wow. of those people who were doing, like most of those people weren't from here, you know, they flew in from wherever yeah. they flew in from. And so the hotels in the area, I oh, was man. watching them walk back to the hotels. But it was funny though, cause this ain't the same neighborhood as what's going on over there. So you saw them folding and rolling the flags up. I was like, ah, uh-uh, keep that, wave the flags <laughs> the keep that same energy. Don't switch it up right. now. Right. Yeah, it, it was a totally different ball game when they got over here. I was like, they okay, were trying to switch it up. You know, what's funny. I think, uh, What's his name? Uh, Cooper Anderson was talking about and put Olive Garden and like some other restaurants. Oh yeah, he's at Olive Garden, the uh, what else he say, the Hyatt Regency or Garden Inn Hotel. He's like, this is where they're at. It's like, (laughs) and they literally were. That's what made it funny. Well, Olive Garden is in Maryland. We don't have one in DC, but like, yeah, all the other spots. Well, I mean, Hyattsville's up the street, but yeah, yeah. yeah, they were definitely. We were watching them go to like the Marriotts, and yeah, there's yeah. a there's a hundred thousand Marriotts over here, and a hundred thousand Hilton or all kind of restaurants and hotels. So yeah, you were watching yeah, them man. try to go back to their normal lives. I was like, this is wild, but yeah, you know, it, that's one of the things. If you live in DC, there's always something that's going to go down every week. So mm-hmm. somebody's mad about something every week. So there's always a protest. But I, I still think that, and I'm going to let this go so we can go ahead and get into our actual show. This is kind of like a pre-talk. But I, I, I thought it was weird because like people were showing images of what happened. with, And it, it just shows just, I'm going to say it like this, how actually scared they are of black people. If you, if you really, really think, mm-hmm. if you really think about it, all we're doing is literally protesting. We ain't attack nobody. This is outside of what transpired with um, 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 George Floyd, right? Mm-hmm. That whole thing, because it wasn't just us. It was like the whole country itself, let alone different countries throughout the world was like, hey, yo, that ain't right. You know what I'm saying? And they they were, you know what I'm saying, making a ruckus on their end in reference to us. But Outside of all of that, even during the Fergusons, all these different things that were transpiring, we, man, if we even go back to the 60s, the 60s and the 70s, how we were just doing these marches again, smacked up across our head and getting fire holes and getting shot and getting murdered. And it's like, y'all are really scared of us. Let's just call mm-hmm. a spade a spade. You're really afraid and all, but that, hmm. And that was just to have a right to participate in the system. You saw they right. get killed, but now you watch people literally try to take the whole system down that they right. built and right. walked in. I was like, that's okay. what, that's what's like. That's what's like. We need to just stay out of it. Just let them destroy. I, I hate okay. to say, like, it's almost kind of yourselves. Fight amongst yourselves. It's almost like as much as we say we need to, we need to do something about the system. It's like no, you know. It, in my personal opinion, it's like, eh, the way it's looking, it's going to implode on its own because nobody's trying to fix it. You know what I'm saying? It's just the same thing over repetitively, right? And that's that's just that's just my opinion. I feel like it's going to implode on itself. We see that with what transpired with Trump. They felt some type of way about Obama. I'm not going to get into all that. And then it's like, no, nah, we need we need somebody that's just the complete opposite. And the weird part is that let's just call a spade a spade. 
Trump, I mean, no, Obama did stuff just for like people in general, but in reference to like black people spe specifically, he actually didn't, but people still felt some type of way about him being president. And I was like, I mm -hmm. can see if he said, all right, when I'm, there's a change coming and we're going to have reparations. Yeah. I can see if that transpired, right? And then people just lost, you know what I'm saying? Just flipped their yeah. time. That'd be different, but none of that happened. None of that happened. And people, no. I was like, bro, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, the burden of change is going to be on them. They got to fix themselves. We've already done yeah. what we're supposed to do. We've always yeah. done things the right way. So yeah. I, I've learned. So when I when people were saying, oh, I, I cried last night. I was like, I was mm. crying last night. I, I was crying. Like, oh, <laughs> I like, okay. I mean, it, you know, it is what it is. And that's y'all over there tearing y'all stuff up. It's like, Look. all right. Yeah, we were sitting there looking like the SpongeBob meme, the one we were in. I told you so, mode. I told right. you so. Y'all been calling us crazy and gaslighting us for the last decade, talking exactly. about we stirring the pot. So y'all enjoy no, that. So we'll no. we'll see how that unfolds. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's go ahead and actually get into the show. We didn't spend what ten minutes. Okay, so that's not bad. Ten minutes. All right, so let's get into the actual show of you uh, i personally i'm calling you the r&b historian because i watched some of your videos and i'm like the the way you're spewing off facts and then you're because I'm, I'm i'm under the depression that we're in the same age group because you're like mentioning things i was like yeah i remember that too oh i remember that too so i know you're in your 30s right so i'm, I'm 36 so i'm i'm assuming we don't share your age you don't have to but no i'm good i'm 32 i've embraced it i'm 32 okay uh, praise god yeah. amen yeah. so but yeah so it's like you're mentioning i was like yeah i remember that so um i want to talk about your music as well but let's start with the whole the whole series and you're still doing that series bro you've been doing that for like eight years you know what i'm saying you got like 20 different episodes hours on end of discussing things so what made you just sit and say you know what i want to talk about this what 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 caused you to get into that all right so the series is it's called r&b is dead and so that's a title that kind of triggers people now because now there's kind of a kickback to that phrase where people are saying, well, no, R&B is not dead. And I totally agree. I think mm -hmm. musically, there's always been really, really great music that's out there. But the purpose of that series is more so from the lens of a commercial standpoint. And so when I initially started that series, it was the most random thing, too. I, it wasn't even planned. I was just kind of chilling. And this was 2012 or 2013-ish. Mm -hmm. And that was when EDM was just everywhere and maybe it was 2012 because i think it was there yeah, were i saw it, it said 2012 that, yeah there were a few albums that had just come out and mm -hmm. these were albums from people that i would consider r&b headliners that usually carry a lot of weight and so when i was looking at the numbers when it came to the sales and mm -hmm. looking at the radio play and i was like these are really low for these specific kind of artists i would have thought they would get more yeah, and so yeah. at that time there was just a shift in the industry where mm. r&b commercially just was not getting the same push the same support the same reception and so that started the series and initially i think the context of the series was more so just about the music because i felt at that time i think the r&b artists had to evolve and so i think the very first episode mm. um I just had this portion where I played, I don't know, maybe it was like 18 different songs, but they were all from the same 18 month period, but they all sounded extremely different. It was like a period between maybe mid 94 to early 96. And it oh, was wow. just yeah, highlighting the, 
diversity and how there was so many different gyms musically. And so as time has progressed, I've tried to evolve the series to kind of fit with the time. So mm-hmm. really the context is now that there's still good music out there, but you have to kind of go and search for it. And it's more of a critique at the industry of with how it's kind of erased that mm. art and how other genres have kind of taken it over and become the face of it yeah and so it's kind of yeah, i annoying. think depending on what what year it is because again i didn't plan to still be doing this series in 2021 mm. i thought it was going to be done after like you know one or two years and people kept asking for more and i'm like i, I really have nothing left <laughs> I, I, i've said it all what else do you want but so it kind of shifted and started turning into like history lessons and yeah. and everything else. And so, I mean, people like it. And it's weird because I really only make maybe one or two of those episodes a year now just because I'm kind of focusing on other things. And like I started the new series, the So What Happened series, which mm-hmm. is a bit more specific. It literally focuses on one specific project that was released that may not have done well. And you just go into the logistics of so what is was that happening like the whole in that thing time. With, with Usher? Like, yeah, like, so I've done okay. three of them so far. So the yeah. Usher, Here I Stand, Brandy, Aphrodisiac, TLC yeah. 3D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those were good. Those were good. Um, I'm, I actually had to finish. What happened was I was in the middle of. Oh, I turned off Usher. on you. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no. <laughs> no it didn't. A lot of people felt that I had YouTube yanked it. I had to fight and get it back up there. So a lot really? of people watching it. And t- yeah. You know, when you do those kind of videos and you have the visuals and stuff, they want to flag you really quick for copyright. No, no, so no. You have to be very careful with the visuals you provide, even if you're not using the sound, they'll still yeah. get you. And so Man, they're, they're I just did the live premiere and then as soon as the live premiere was over, YouTube was like, nope. Wow. Uh, no, so- actually, I just didn't get a chance to finish it. I was watching it and I was like, I'm going to reach out to this dude. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty much what I thought. And I was like, I want to mm-hmm. I want to reach out to you and just really be like, what caused this to transpire? So I'm really glad that you did it, man. Because, I mean, my in my personal opinion, it's, it's just a lot of history that, like, younger people don't know about. You know what I'm saying? Like, people way younger than us. Like, even if they're, mm-hmm. like, 10 years younger than us, they don't know unless they grew up with people our age or some of their parents could Had be our parents age. that taught them. Uh-huh. Yeah. They don't know nothing. It's a young lady that I'm working with right now. She's 26. And um, she's a phenomenal singer, man. Um, we're both going to school to, uh, uh, at Full Sail. I'm going for audio production. She's right. going for music business. So we're mm-hmm. trying to, like, we trying to kill some stuff, man. But she was mentioning things. And I was like, how do you know about that? You're 26. She's like, bro, like, I actually go back and, you know what I'm saying, listen to this type of stuff. I'm like, okay, so from a music perspective, you're actually more mature. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And it's really dope. And it was it was a breath of fresh air, man. So I appreciate you doing that because it's like so many, some of these kids, they watch it, some other people watch it. And um, I think it, I think you also mentioned like the politics. And I was like, oh, yes. So, mm-hmm. so I'm like, are you reading this stuff? Like, are you going through reading all the information or? Like, uh, it's a mix of a lot of things. I'm kind of a music nerd anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I used to live in Italy for three years. And for those right. three years, we didn't have cable or TV and, and the radio was there, but it was Italian radio. So you really didn't hear a lot of what was happening in America unless mm-hmm. it was the big monster hits. And so I feel like when I moved back to America um, and I was about 12 at that time, mm-hmm. I just felt like I had to get in catch up mode because I felt like I missed so much. Like I didn't know mm-hmm. Biggie Smalls was dead. He had been dead for two years. I had no idea until I got what? back to America. And so, you know, um, I just always felt that I was in catch up mode. And so I just became really obsessed with just you know, catching what happened between 96 and 99, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out who all the new people were. VH1 at the time, you remember the old VH1 where it was like pretty much a music history channel. I used to be yeah, obsessed yeah, with, yeah. with everything they, they had. Um, and so 
some of it's just kind of just it's been common knowledge and then as a teenager i was one of those people that used to be on all the music forums and posting and and reading all the different threads on all the wow. different fan sites for a bunch of artists and I, so like I've, i feel like i've been on the internet since i was like 11 as far as just in the mix of stuff and then yeah, yeah. you know when you put it together for i guess a, a documentary type series you want to make sure your facts are not just bs so you know i definitely right. go back and double check and then really putting things back into context and um just making sure everything's aligned because i think the purpose of the series like you said is more so i'm just trying to ingrain and, and lock in some of those historical aspects because as the times change the narratives change with each generation yeah, and so yeah. i've noticed that because we're now in an era where everything is instant and quick gratification sometimes mm -hmm. the legacies of other artists get erased or they're, they're brushed over and oh they weren't doing anything just because they may not be as popular now right or right. you know people assume that youtube views on your music videos equate to the impact that you had and Nobody's it's like you know so they'll look at somebody like anita baker who might have i don't know maybe 10 million views on one of her songs and compare yeah. it to somebody who's current that has a billion and say oh well, jay never did this and it's like but that's because that d demographic and fan base wouldn't have been on youtube in 1980 because youtube wasn't there and right, then right you know d different demographics and so you know this is the era where you have fan bases that sit on the internet all day and put on loops and have streaming parties for their favorite artists. And mm -hmm. it's just a different day and age. So just yeah. trying to bridge the gap in between how maybe my and your generation see music versus the current generation. Cause yeah, I used yeah. to get mad when I'd see people that I, you know, grew up on just get like disrespected. And Yo. this person is the new that person. This person is the new person. You know, you come out with one album and you'd be successful. You're the next Michael Jackson or yeah, you're the nah, new Michael Jackson. I, nah, stuff like that gets nah, on my skin. Stop it. So, stop it. <laughs> yeah. They did that with uh, The Weeknd. I'm like, he sounds uh, like. That like... triggered a video too. That I did a whole video. <laughs> Cause I saw it. It was a, I saw that post a few years back and they were yeah. like, The Weeknd is the, this generation's michael i'm like no nah. one i'm like let people if i just say if i were ever to blow up i would just want to be this generation's me i ain't trying to be nobody right, else, but I, right. and i would still give homage to who came before but yeah. there's an obsession with wanting to replace what's been in the past right but with the standards of what it is of today which is not a fair assessment to those of the past because yeah. i feel like the acts of the past open the doors for everybody else to walk mm -hmm. through and the purpose yeah. You're supposed to take it to that next level because the doors and everything has been established for you. So right. it's like a slap in the face to go back and, and trash the legacies of those from before because, you know, yeah. they're not doing, you know, what is considered successful in 2020. And like the standards were different then. It's a yeah, different definitely. world. But, yeah. you know, so that's where I'm at on it. You know what? Since we're getting in, into standards, um, how do you and we're going to get into your music, too. Uh, but how mm, how do you view how do you really view R&B? I understand it's like, it's not really dead, but do you think there's been a shift? You, okay, let's, let, let me backtrack here. Me personally, I feel as though R&B since the year, since around 1999, this is my personal opinion. I think it was trying to like, when they started noticing that hip hop was like no longer being a redheaded stepchild that it was for so long because remember like during the 80s in the 90s you had your Dion warwick's and them buying nwa uh nwa cds and stumping on them and i was like bro you're still mm -hmm. making them you're still making them money <laughs> so thank you but they were treating r&b i mean they were treating hip-hop like the redheaded stepchild and then it just flipped and it's now it's like r&b is trying to keep up with with hip-hop do you feel as though 
in that perspective, there was a loss of respect, and it's almost like the sound changed versus it usually being like a complimenting thing, like with your Mary J. Blige's and your uh, your Method Man's or your Leah's with like Timbaland and Magoo and Missy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Do you think that it's been a flip to where it's like I own the ship now? I'm the captain. Do you think it it, it flipped? Um, I think in context to back then you saw a shifting of the old guard versus new guard in mm. in regards to something like R&B. So like yeah. like you mentioned, you go back to those early years of hip hop where mm. you still had radio stations that were like, nope, we're not playing that rap stuff. Absolutely not. And right. even today, that's pretty much what you would say is urban AC radio stations. So okay. me as a TLC fan as a kid, I used to get pissed because all the left eye verses would never, you know, you'd be listening to the radio and then they'd weird. skip left eyes verse on Waterfalls or Donnell Jones, you know what's up yeah. with no scrubs. I'm like, dang. But um, <laughs> I think it was a generational thing. So there were a lot of artists who didn't see it as the art form that it was. And they mm-hmm. were like, nope, not, not at all. And I think what they forgot is hip hop was something just out of the ordinary and something new and something fresh that hadn't been seen before. And it connected right. with random white kids in the suburbs. And they ate that stuff up because it was a new image. It was everything. Yeah. And they became the largest consumers. And so that same demographic never really had the same respect for R&B. Until yeah. it was pushed more so in a pop realm. Until you started seeing, like, if you're going to like 83, 84, aside from Michael Jackson, yeah. you know, R&B music was not really being celebrated in white America like that. Absolutely. Aside from the huge crossover. <clears throat> and so as you get into the later years and you see like the Janets and the Whitney's and them start to blow up a little bit more, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you see things shifting. And when we get to the 90s, there's a lot more hip hop influence with our R&B acts. And so yep, even yep. the, you know, and I felt like that was a time where I think I said it in the Usher doc, R&B and hip hop could still stand on their own two feet. R&B mm-hmm. could be, I think of like a year like 96 and like somebody like yeah. Keith Sweat had a very good year, but it, oh, it was definitely. strictly R&B. And on the flip side, hip hop was doing their thing. They were interdependent, but they could stand on their own. And I think the yeah, business side just recognized, yeah, the business side just recognized that there was profit in hip hop because hip hop could pull in a, a younger audience and could pull wow. in the same pandemonium you could get from the teen pandemonium that exists with pop groups. Yeah. Um, I think or R&B, even rock and roll. Yeah, and I think R&B has always been given the reputation of being the older genre for a, a more seasoned ear. Aside yeah. from a few of the folks who were a little bit more commercial. And so, um, yeah, you've seen though. the guard shift. And so yeah. n- as hip hop became more global and it was no longer just a black genre, it's kind of been kind of just everybody's doing it now. Mm. You know, R&B still, the world didn't receive it the same way. They might have yeah. borrowed from it, but they don't give the credit. And now, you know, here we are. I feel like most R&B acts, in order to have a successful hit on the radio, it has to be somewhat intertwined with hip hop. Yeah. Or, or at least, you know, at least have a hip hop producer, which is... Yeah. It kind of sucks, in my opinion, because I think now R&B, unfortunately, in 2020, I think there's some good music, but I'll be honest, I'm bored most of the time. I'm like, yeah. where is the eventfulness? I'm, right, it's, it's cool. Right. There's some great people out there, but, mm-hmm. you know, I just remember a time when there was so much variety and everybody yeah. was eating. You know, yeah. it wasn't just a handful of people that were in charge. Everybody, you, you could come out with a moderate hit single and still go gold, still yeah. go platinum yeah. with just one yeah. single. And now, you know, it's... Well, and that's another conversation. Sales are different. Album sales aren't even relevant anymore. It's all streaming yeah. now. So yeah, yeah, it's a weird moment we're in. It's it's it's, it's funny that you mentioned something uh, in reference to like other acts or other different genres taking R and B. What what I instantly thought about was uh, you got your K pop, your K pop and J pop. Man, but, but, don't but get me started. We, look, I'm about to get you started. I'm about to get you fired up. So, so but but let's go back further. During the 70s, the 80s, 
primarily you had this thing called city pop mm-hmm. right all it all it literally all city pop was in japan was saying oh i like this song by the osley brothers i want to make something similar to that and then they grabbed black people and said hey can you play something similar to what you did on this track yeah you gonna pay me yeah absolutely you know what i'm saying their image looked black like it, it was really afrocentric i'm like y'all really some people mm-hmm. legitimately had love and then some people were just biting because they were just getting money, right? Right. Um, and uh, there's a song that I sampled by this chick named uh, Maria Takeuchi, um, and it's called Yuma no Susuke. It's something about dreams. I forgot. I forgot. I don't really speak Japanese. I just I'm an anime head, and I was listening to City Pop, and I came across that song. And I was like, Yo, I want to sample this. So, <laughs> uh, but in any case, it had this. It it kind of had like a Janet Jackson vibe to it, like the Jimmy Jam type of feel mm-hmm. to it dun, 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 dun. i was like yo that's dope but i started listening to older stuff and i was like wait a minute why does it sound like music i grew up listening to from like you know what I'm saying my parents would play stuff from the 70s and the 80s i'm like why does this stuff sound like that i'm like something something's not right you know what i'm saying and this was recent within like the last couple of years yeah. i just stumbled across it on youtube and i was like yo it's a vibe it's dope you know what i'm saying i love different languages i love different cultures and stuff like that so if i hear something that reminds me of some sort of blackness i'm like yo okay it's cool case the point is like salsa merengue bachata you know what i'm saying i love that because that's really african based mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so but when i heard city pop i was like yo this is okay this is weird and then i started like researching things looking at credits i'm like yo some of these artists or some of these uh musicians like you had herbie hancock produce mm-hmm. the, produce a chick and we know who herbie hancock is yeah. like, you got teddy yeah. riley out there producing them now you yeah. see what i'm saying um actually there's a guy uh his name sean uh, garrett too mm-hmm. sean garrett uh oh no it's, mm, what's his name latif latif Corey latif oh he yeah can't... yeah before yeah. And after, i remember him yo yeah. so he just doing stuff with people over in japan and, and korea i was like yo you making your money uh music soul child like a year or so ago a year or a year and a half ago did a album with this japanese dude korean or japanese i forgot and it was like a straight up neo soul song and i was like yo that's crazy when i was living in korea i dated a girl but she's korean and she started grabbing all these cds you know what I'm saying they're burnt cds or whatever mm-hmm. you had like your de la souls your uh yeah not de la soul who is it who is it the other group from detroit Slum Village. Yeah, like Slum Village and, and Dwele, because and, I'm from Michigan. So Slum Village and Dwele and the music soul child and Erica Badu and she just bringing up all this stuff. And I was like, this is like 2003, 2004. And I'm looking at her like, yo, you have you ever lived in the States? And she was like, nah, I just found this on the internet. <laughs> on the internet. Uh-huh. And I was like, yo, but our stuff is so influential. And I was like, this ain't fair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, one thing, uh, Snow, Snow Allegra. Um, personally, when I first heard her, I, I felt some type of way. Cause I got to a point where I was like, man, I'm sick of this. You know what I'm saying? I'm being honest with you. I like, I'm I'm sick of people taking our music and then when we try to do it, or when new acts try to do it, they look at it sideways. Even our own people look at it sideways. You know what I'm saying? And be like, well, you're not this person. It's like this person ain't even us. Like so okay okay whatever but i checked out her her tiny desk and i was like okay cool and now mind you she's persian and like polish or something like that Mm -hmm. so she's mixed but whatever and so i was watching a podcast um from joe button 
and it was from the sisters uh they had their podcast called i see here the thing is and they were discussing that she won a soul train award and i was like okay yeah. whatever and so i have my part no don't get me wrong she's a good singer but i'm like bro there's so many doper black females you know what I'm saying? And nobody's really talking about them. Like, dope, 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 dope. What about your Alex Isley? You know, nobody, I, actually, I think Alex Isley probably did win something from the Soul Train this year. I think. I had to double check. But I was like, what about your Alex Isleys? What about your Gwen Buns? You know what I'm saying? Like, th these type of chicks. Like, how can nobody, and their music is dope. I'm like, so y'all not mentioning her? So, are we still dealing with colorism now? And, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, um, like, I don't know if I can say like that ethnicityism or something like that. I don't know. So, but one thing Snow said was, yo, I have to give a shout out to all the black R&B artists that literally came out before me. She said, you guys literally influenced me to make this type of music. And it would be uh, wrong of me not to give you credit. And I was like, thank you. Because who does that? You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Not too many people do that. I, correct me if I'm wrong. I never actually heard Justin Timberlake say anything like that. Um, the closest <laughs> thing I've heard was maybe Justin Bieber when he was like with the whole Grammy Awards. You know what I'm saying? He was like, my album is not pop. It's an R&B album. Yeah. But it was kind of like, you know what I'm saying? But you're you're a pop act. So they're going to categorize it as pop. But he's like, no, I got these influences from these people. And it was like, okay, and your point is what? This is what the 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 the, the people that are voting, you know what I'm saying, are saying is like, okay, whatever. So And how I looked at that, sorry to cut you off. No, 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 you're good, you're good. Yeah, how I looked at Justin with that was kind of like, but you already have a monopoly on the industry where you can right. do kind of whatever you want. And so Bro, he did even though you Spanish. have this R and B influenced sound, if they would have put you in those R and B categories, where does that put somebody like Lettucey? You know, who does she right. compete with now that right. you're in the category? Because when the R&B acts make pop sounds, they still get put in the R&B box. They're not yep. going to be nominated for those, you know, those album of the year Grammys. And when exactly. they do, they're not going to win. So, right. you know, that's how I kind of looked at Justin with that piece. Yeah. And you were saying that it was pretty, he pretty much like got a monopoly. Yeah. Because yeah. somebody, it was interesting. Somebody had said even on, I think they responded on one of my R&B's dead videos. They were like, it's mm -hmm. funny you don't mention Drake. Um, as far as his influence in R&B. And I was like, well, for me, I know that Drake still, he has very melodic music, but at the end of the day, he still has the benefits of hip hop yeah. to carry him. Yeah. You know, and if he was I already consider him an R&B artist. Yeah, if he were specifically an R&B artist, he wouldn't have the, the pool he has. Like when you think of like the year 2018, that was the year of Drake. But, right. you know, he, he is a hip hop artist, but he just is very good at kind of getting into all of the worlds of pop, R&B, hip hop all together. That's right. So it's like, that's not R&B. And if anything, to me, it kind of confirms what I've been saying, where R&B has kind of gotten erased and glossed over by other genres that pretty much take and borrow from it. And it's no yeah, distance, yeah. right? Because I like his music. But, yeah. you know, um, I think back to what you were saying with the K-pop and, and some of the people from international markets that are really mm -hmm. into music. What I've learned, especially when you talk K-pop, is that when you go back to like the Korean War yeah. and even Vietnam and you had American troops over there, especially the black troops You're over there, right. that was You're the first right. time some of them were hearing some of those sounds. Where And, and again, because the thing, my critique of K-pop has always been that the, they are very, very skilled. Very skilled. Yeah, I say there's, there's a there's a there's a balance between skilled and gifted. Gifted is when you just you just naturally have it because it's embedded, it's in your lineage, and then yeah. you're skilled where you learn how to do it. And I think with some of the K-pop acts, some of them are, are so talented but so mechanical, so it's yeah. hard to make a connection because they're too perfect, and yeah. it's like it doesn't feel 
like Soulful. it's coming from a genuine place. It feels like you had to go through boot camp for three years and I, this is what you better do. <laughs> yeah. And so I think like artist development happened, or something. I think that's where you see the difference is like they're making some very because I'm not gonna lie, like I'm from Seattle and so there's a really, mm. really huge Southeast Asian Pacific um Islander population in that region. Yeah, so yeah. I was familiar with a lot of the K-pop from like the late nineties, early two thousands. So like people like Boa, Lee Hi Boy, oh, yeah. um, who Lexi, like a lot of mm. people like that is who I remember seeing. Um and so, you know, you've seen like Boa might be my favorite one out of all of them. I, I'm I'm holding on. I don't know if she ever gonna make a comeback or not. Oh, but man. like um it, it was almost like watching it as teenagers, we see like, this is cool, but what do y'all do over there? Right. If, if like if our influence is not there what is it that y'all were doing before and so i think what it is is a lot mm. of them just weren't rooted in that historically and so you can tell just based in their work and the reason why i think you see like a, a Corey latif or a teddy riley or sean garrett or somebody else kind of working with them now is it's kind of bringing in what you can call that that foundation to kind of enhance what sound they have and mm. it's not even to attack because honestly, it's, you know, as R&B became bigger, as hip hop became bigger and black music became global, the question really does become, what do you expect to happen when you have two new generations that are heavily influenced by your sound? They're going to emulate what they've grown up on. Like yeah. there's a lot of black American artists who were bigger artists overseas than they ever were in the Absolutely. United States, specifically yeah. Japan, you know. So like they're acts like a Tina Turner, a, a, a Michael, mm -hmm. um, some of them have more hits in places like Japan than they ever had in the United States. And so right. these people carry so much influence there. It's kind of like you can't expect them to not eventually start mimicking your sound. But I think the problem is that that now that they're getting their flowers and everything else, a lot of mm -hmm. black artists mm -hmm. are still the best. Salty. And I think yeah. that goes back to your yeah. snow, um, snow comment where I've never had a problem with other people emulating our sound, but the problem I had is once the industry said, okay, well, we're going to make those people the face of your sound and the people Yo, who actually are rooted in on. it, you know, take a back seat. That's where, because I think that's where Bruno got a lot of smoke. Because I think Bruno Mars, again, somebody yeah. that's very, very talented. Yeah. And I think because he has the benefit of being racially ambiguous, you can make, it, you can make him more marketable to a right. global audience yeah. because sadly this world is still very anti-black yeah and so even definitely. though he's extremely talented you, you watched how he was kind of pushed to the forefront and one of the responses i saw a lot of people said oh well the r&b artists just need to step their game up i was like they've been stepping they the game up step but, what game you know, up? up against the label that wants to limit what they're allowed to do and that's why right. you see such a discrepancy with indie artists versus uh the more mainstream major label artists like yeah. I, you i've noticed in the last few years the favorites of a lot of people are now people most of us have never heard of. We're in this era where a lot of people's right. favorite artists are somebody you've never heard of. You got to go look them up just because yeah. the indie artists have more leverage to do what they want. There's not a machine yeah. telling them who to be artistically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And that's and that's good stuff. I'm glad. You know what? It makes me think about um, <clears throat> Tank kind of talked about this, but Eric Benet did. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he said the issue, uh, he said basically the issue is that it, it goes back, it segues, well, correlates with what you were saying in reference to them kind of like replacing the face when it comes to R&B. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, but even in that, my, and this is just my personal opinion, don't get me wrong, we actually do have good R&B music. You know what I'm saying? You got like, like me personally, I love Alex Isley. Um, mm -hmm. I like Jasmine Sullivan. Some of, some of her stuff, I'm like, man, whatever, bro. Because just because I'm like, I'm trying to find the best way to say this, especially in the realm of, of feminism. 
Uh, oh, they about to get you. Let me hear what look. you about to say. <laughs> <laughs> they about to get you. <laughs> she got this thing called the hotels. And I was like, bro, I get it. That was a hard swallow, bro. Pause. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, you know what? This is the best way to put it. I under I, I respect women embracing their sexuality and taking control over it. I'm cool with that. But I think the irony of it all is that you're doing the things that men wanted you to do in the first place. Does it make sense? Hmm. I'm trying to so put basically, this basically, in my head. basically, let's we even in R and B, especially well, even in, especially in hip hop, but then you see it's more more so in R and B nowadays, where women were being really objectified now. In R and B, not so much. It was yo, that girl is fine. You got your BBDs. We was like, yo, she got a big butt and a smile. Don't trust it, but you know, I, me and the friends will will smash it. So you kind of got your glimpse of what R and B was going to kind of look like later on in the future. But overall, dudes were serenading. They weren't hypersexualizing women. They were just they were really like, hey, this is your femininity. It, it makes me think of a song by Eric Benet called Femininity, mm-hmm. right? Where he was like, it was beautiful, and he was like, you know what I'm saying? You're like, you're this gentle dove, but at the same time, you're this roaring lioness at the same time, but there was a balance. And now she's like this T-Rex. It's like, yo, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. What's going on here? And it's like, no, we actually wanted the T-Rex the whole time. You know what I'm saying? In reference to hip hop, in reference to like what they're paying the men, the brothers to talk about and rap about. So you saw like your little Kim, your Foxy Brown say, well, we're going to control our sexuality. It's like. Bro, you're just doing what they were doing, telling other brothers to write about. You're, what's the difference? You know what I'm saying? And so that's how I was like, eh. So when I hear stuff like with Jasmine Sullivan, like one of my favorite, favorite songs from her is Let It Burn. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, it, was just a, it was just a vibe. And I was like, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Of course, she she used some of the chords that were from After 7. I think we saw that during one Soul Train Awards where yeah, they, they came back together. Bro, that was so dope. It was so dope. And so, but I hear the hotels and I was just like, I'm one of these. I'm like the meme where I just turn it off, <laughs> grab my headphones. And I was just like, man, I don't want to hear that because I understand. One perspective is like, I understand that music is not only a reflection of the culture, but it, it influenced the culture as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I understand telling your story, but it's like, are you telling the story or are you glorifying this lifestyle and you're ex- that we kind of like most level-headed people don't really celebrate. Most R&B people don't really celebrate. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know, man. It's it's just a, that's just a personal thought of mine. I was like, uh, I get yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think, and I think what you're talking about more so leans to. I think around the time we got to like 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. the label started to consolidate R&B and hip hop into the same department and start doing the whole urban music thing. Yeah. And I think that played a role into the put out that you'd start getting where mm. now rather than having a team that was specifically centered on the hip hop artists, specifically centered on the R&B artists, it's like put them together because black folks, y'all all do the same thing anyway. Y'all gonna sing about the same thing, put y'all in the same bucket. And wow. so fast forward, a generation that's kind of where we're at now i mm. think i think a lot of that is rooted in kind of just the decisions of the industry as far as what's happening with the content because mm. um, mm. even when you think of a lot of the current r&b acts that are mainstream i'm not talking like the indie acts or the ones that again you got to go on the internet to find right. but a lot of the mainstream acts 
now when you even listen to the content that they put out sometimes yeah. i'm like yeah. if you take if you take away the melody it's a rap song <laughs> if you Absolutely. just put the lyrics out there so i'm like oh okay this is interesting <laughs> so yeah there's a lot going on you know this is a weird time that we're in yeah um there's some really good stuff but there's a lot of things where i'm like man this industry god i, I some they got to flush out a few execs i'm sorry Look, it's, it's killing me. they're killing me softly Look, man. So my thing with that, like, I think it's dope how you got, you know what, like, you got your uh, your brandy, like Brandy. She, to my mm -hmm. understanding, correct me if I'm wrong. She's now like technically like an independent artist. She has her own label now. Is that yeah. correct? Mm -hmm. And I'm like dope, but I'm like, I don't think like Usher should have did that. But to my understanding, he didn't. Even though he actually has the power, the clout, the money to do so, he's still not doing it. Um, Tank did it. He got R&B money, even though it's still under Empire. He technically, quote unquote, still has his um, his own, you know what I'm saying, his own label. Um, somebody said this, and then I actually want to talk about your music because I, I kept saying it, but I'm you not going to get to it. Go, go on, whatever direction you want to go in. But, but they were saying that, I think Joe Bundenham said this, but they was like, yo, if Drake ever went independent, I don't know why they were mentioning Drake for it, but they said if Drake ever went independent, it would do something to the industry itself maybe in the in the urban field so to speak but if he said you know what i'm gonna go independent now i am out i'm gonna have my own label it'll be almost now this goes back to what people say oh he's like the next michael or he's kind of like michael jackson he's really not but for today's generation he has a certain amount of influence to where it would affect people what what if he did something that michael jackson was trying to do to my understanding michael jackson was trying to create like like some type of label uh, or something like that to where he controlled the funnel of like music in reference to like in reference to r&b music mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying to my understanding i might be wrong on that and it was kind of like no you you always with sony sony uh we want our catalog back so he had all the funds to do that and it was like they were just a little bit more no they were a little bit more shysty when it came to chess you know what I'm saying? They had an extra queen piece hiding in their back pocket just in case he took the queen. And it's like, oh, I got a queen. He was like, no, I took your queen. What are you talking about? Right. And then grabbed the gun and shot him. So, but I feel like, I feel like in one perspective, um, you have to learn to play chess in this in this game, even if you're an independent artist. You know what I'm saying? And um, because they still control what's being, they still kind of control about what's what's being said in reference to R&B, right? Yeah, that machine it, is still there. It ain't going yeah, nowhere. Yeah, it, it, like because like, really, it's just how the, going either major or independent. You still got to jump into the machine at some point. So are you going to jump in with the funding right. from the major label, but no artist insight, or are you going to jump in from the indie? side with no backing but you get to do everything you want creatively so it's kind of right. you know catch 22 either way right right so my thing is i think about oh man okay that's off now all right so what i was thinking about was i think about chris brown you think about the mm -hmm. type of songs he did now i'm mentioning him for a reason can you start getting the songs where he's like he's just literally talking about having sex the whole entire time right but excuse me i'm a spanish speaker so i, I listen to all that other stuff and I heard I heard Zendaya, I heard uh, Chris Brown, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. They're singing songs in Spanish, 
with Prince Royce, and now they're actually talking about love. Now, like in the in the Spanish genre, they still got stuff where you know what I'm saying our music influenced them. So they're talking about raunchy stuff too, and that's always been the thing. You know what I'm saying? If, if we're sexual, them jokers are <laughs> <laughs> right. super sexual. Man, look like if you like Amada La Negra. She before she got on. Um, uh, love, love and hip hop. Yeah. She had a song called I. I. I had to turn it off. I was like, man, nah, bro, I can't. <laughs> I had to turn it off. I was like, bro, I had to stop following. I'm married now. I had to stop following her on Instagram. I was like, man, ma, I can't do it. Unfollow. You know what I'm saying? But she, mm -hmm. they, they, so their stuff. They, they really always talked about love, and I, I looked at those genres like those were our siblings or our cousins. Mm -hmm. Because they're so African based, but yeah. what I'm talking about in, in reference to like the lyricism, you still got women talking about love, but I don't really see too many mainstream male acts really. I mean, if they're like connected to the machine, really talking about love is either party, sex, drugs, or what you have. Yeah, or mm -hmm. what you have, and I'm just like, but when I heard him on this song with Prince Royce called uh, "Take Me As I Am," it was um, they do this in praise and worship music, uh, in some bilingual churches where they'll sing a song in English, and then in the same breath, like that same song, they sing it in Spanish. Mm -hmm. It was pretty much the same identical thing. Prince Royce said one thing, and then they kind of like said something similar to it. Usher did the same thing with with with, with Romeo Santos. Uh, technically speaking, Drake did. I don't like the song that Drake did with Romeo Santos. Because I'm really a Spanish speaker, and I was like, bro, mm -hmm. your Spanish is horrible, and I'm angry. But you know what I'm saying? That's just me being an African American because I'm just yeah. like they already look at it sideways, and it's like. It's almost correct. Like, we gotta you you have to. And I was like, man, bro, okay, whatever. But when I heard uh Chris Brown, I was like, yo, this is a good song. And he's really talking about love. He's like, yo, I can't live without you. You're my everything. I'm like, bro, when's the last time you sung anything like that in English? And I think that there's, mm -hmm. there's a different spin in reference to like cultural thing things as well. So, but what I want to go. I don't know. Did you want to touch on that real quick? Because I do want to talk about. Oh, Jordan sure. Cause, well, you know, I think, too, internationally, in my opinion, I feel like black artists are able to experiment more. Uh, yes. Authentically with their sound and their, their content internationally. Mm -hmm. Like, think about mm -hmm. all of the R&B, even hip hop albums that get shelved in America, but released overseas or in South yeah. America. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, the content on those albums are so left field from what's current in America. I'm like, okay, I see why they did. Like somebody like Elise, <laughs> you know, they they shelved her Wonderland album. I mean, personally, I, that might have been one of her best albums, but it gets wow. shelved because they didn't know what to do with it. Um, and, and, and even when it comes to even projects that are released, and you talk about what's going to be the international single mm -hmm. and what's going to be pushed in the United States, mm -hmm. they're willing to take the gamble overseas or or, or in South. America or wherever um, just because again I think international audiences are more receptive to just what sounds good the image is important but I think for them it's all about what sounds good like when I lived in Italy mm -hmm. um, the songs that made it to the disco Palladio station those were the, the biggest the, and, and the biggest hits that were coming out of America but sometimes they would latch on to songs that weren't even that popular in the United States and wow. so it would be weird because um, Oddly enough, like I remember 
hearing groups like NSYNC and stuff on the Italian radio before they were even out in America because they weren't like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys they what they did overseas was push them in Germany first see how the Germans respond and then we'll bring them to America they were so big in Germany that the, the hype spread to Italy and then I was starting to hear their stuff on the radio mm-hmm. and so like I remember when I got back to America and I was like oh this song is two years old y'all just now hearing this <laughs> meanwhile I don't know Biggie Smalls is dead right but, um, <laughs> you know but um I think creatively, again, with that that machine, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's limitations to what black artists are, I'd say, permitted to do commercially, yeah. and it's yeah. limited. And what sucks is you now have almost two generations where that's their norm. And so even when you try to get back to the idea of mm-hmm. really good love songs, they yeah. don't, just, they, you know, because I think back to like me growing up, I knew as a child, Saturday mornings, if I heard Al Green or Patty or the, you know, the Isley Brothers, OJs, Gladys, I was like, dang, man, we about to clean up. And uh. so, you know, but those songs, there's or Teddy, there, there's these love songs and ballads mm-hmm. and songs about heartache and everything else like that. And even though it wasn't yeah. my generation, as a kid, I had an appreciation for it because I didn't care about anything like imaging. It just sounded good. Right. And so we fast forward. I don't know if that same generation is being introduced to that. And it's kind of like, I don't know if you've seen these TikToks where maybe it's the mom and the kids and, you know, they'll play the song. And if you know the song, stand on one side. If you don't stand on the other. Yeah. And I start seeing more and more where they're getting to a a much closer time. It's not even them pulling songs from 40 years ago. It's them pulling songs from 2005. And the kids have never heard of any of it. I'm like, that's wow. And, um, (laughs) you know, each generation is going to have a threshold of how far they can go back with what they remember, which is fair. But I think there is there's a gap somewhere in the mix. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of black music has gotten lost in the shuffle. This is why I do appreciate social media and YouTube because people can go and discover. But I think with something like an MTV or a BET or VH1 no longer showing music and no longer having any kind of specials or anything that kind yeah. of remind you of the past and where the origins originate from, it's harder for newer artists to have a base on yeah. it when it comes to what they're building on as an artist yeah. because they don't have any examples. It's kind of like even the conversations when people talk about singing and mm-hmm. how this current generation i'm talking like i'm 500 years old but um there's a lot of new artists who they're not even really rooted in the church anymore it's not saying that you have to be in the church to be a good artist but yeah but most of the the people who made it back in the day came out of the church because you got your building like me as a church kid you know i indirectly learned so much without knowing i was learning understanding you know harmony understanding you know three-part harmony and and singing in minor versus singing in major and modulations and all that kind of stuff that you sat there every sunday and you participated in the church did call and response songs and yeah and, and even simple things like if you had to go to sunday school and give the sunday school report learning how to speak in front of people and project and not be nimble. And so, you know, there's now, as people have kind of become a little bit more free-spirited, they're not really in the church in the same manner anymore. Mm -hmm. You now have generations where, you know, their their backing is not there. Me as a kid, I was always rooted in all the R&B legends, but I can name all the gospel folks too. And I can understand the approaches and the musicality in the music, because you can say what you want about gospel, but when it comes to musicality, that might be the only genre that is still like very to the T when it comes to instrumentation, Absolutely. using, you know, unique sounds and building a song, letting yeah. it, you know, where you can take the lyrics and the music, the, the vocals away and the music alone tells a story. Yo, and so, definitely, definitely. you know, it's just a different time in age. So there's a lot that happens. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Yo. So, okay, let's go ahead and get into this, man. So far as your music, um, 
I listened to some of it even before the show. I listened to some of it, and I was like, I'm like, your influences. I, me personally, I heard stuff from like Prince. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, bro, your falsetto was sick. That was your falsetto, right? Yeah. Like I, I don't know what you. I don't, I don't, to, well, I don't yeah. know what okay, song yeah. it was, but your falsetto is high, 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 high. And I was like, what the heck? I got I a wish decent. My chest voice could do the same. <laughs> look, no, look, <laughs> I, no, I, I don't blame you. Cause I got a decent falsetto, but I heard yours. I was like, Negro, no. <laughs> There's no. I was like, bro, this is like mini Ripperton. What are you doing? Like it was good, and I was like mm-hmm. really, really impressed. So. As far as you as an artist, um, like what other influences? What made you say, okay, I want to do music as well? You know, it's funny. I I really never thought I'd be the one doing music. I've always loved okay. music. I thought my lane would be just making music for other people. That's still really mm. my end goal. I'd rather make music for other folks, but really? I don't mind making my own. Yeah, like even in the R&B is Dead series, in the beginning, I used to say I would never want to be a singer because I, for me... When I think I of like male that. singers growing up, I think of Tevin Campbell, Kevon Edmonds, Phil Perry, wow, all, yeah. all the squallers. I was like, I can't do it. They do. I, it's, yeah. I can't do that. I don't need to be on stage. And right. so, you know, I don't, and so I just felt like, man, those are like the singer singers. But as time progressed and I saw what was out, I was like, well, if this is all people got to do, I, I can do more than that. So, yeah. OK, let me put my foot in the game. And right. I, I guess the goal became let me create <clears throat> stuff that I'd actually sit and listen to. Okay. And so. Um, but my influences musically, um, yeah, Prince is a heavy, heavy influence. I, there's almost an obsession. I'm trying to get it together <laughs> on that, but Prince, uh, I feel like my first album is, it's pretty much Michael Prince and Janet. My second album, I think I kind of expanded my sound a bit more, but, mm-hmm. um, my influences with the sound, like I, I really like up temples. I think that's kind of what's missing too. People don't like to have high energy songs anymore. Everything's mm-hmm. all mid tempo, which is fine, but. Uh, Erica Badu said this once where, you know, if you get a plate of food, in, you know, greens are great. We love greens. But if that's the only thing on the plate, you, you get bored after a minute. You know, you right. want some other stuff. So you're going to need, you know, macaroni and everything else. And that's yeah. where I'm at with music. I think art as an artist, unless you have a signature sound, you know, you should try to give the people a little bit of everything as yeah. long as it still fits your artistry. Um, and so with Up Temples, like on this last album, um, There was a lot of influence. Again, it was Michael, it was Janet, it was Prince. But the vocal approach, um, a lot of the people I was paying attention to, um, Rochelle Farrell, Tony Braxton, Mm -hmm. um, who else? I'm trying to. I really like Anderson Pack. I really enjoy his stuff. He's really dope. Anderson Pack, Topaz Jones, uh, who's pretty. He's actually a little bit newer. Okay. Um, Who else? There's. I don't know. I really was in like my 1990s bag for, for yeah. that one. As far as the vocal arrangements and, and the approaches, I, mm-hmm. I paid a lot of attention to boys to men, what they do vocally. Cause wow. I, I think I have a really strong falsetto. I have a decent head voice. I'm not really a belter. And so, because I don't have, I don't use my bottom as much. I was like, okay, boys to men doesn't really use theirs that much either. So let me study how they are able to put out what they do sonically and vocally and still sound full. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So a lot of them, uh, it, and then in the gospel realm too, like I said, so a lot of the, the gospel acts out there, yeah. um, I definitely checked out. So like Daryl Coley. Um, yeah, yeah, you I, can't go I, wrong they, with him. You know, He's the Bible. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I just, it was a bunch of different things I listened to, but really I just was like, I just want to make something that's enjoyable. I, I like Word. when albums take you on a journey. Like I love to put in an album. I'm, you know I'm still buying CDs, I put in an album, but I like to, um, 
you know, put on an album and it takes me somewhere after. Mm -hmm. But like by the time it finishes, you're like, wow, that was an experience. Like that's that's kind of been the goal. Some folks say, okay, your albums are a little long because you got interludes and everything on here. But it's like that's how it used to be. That's it's how it used just, to be. Yeah, I'm probably not going to be that artist that's going to be putting something out every five months. So since it's yeah. probably an 18-month wait between projects, here, here's a, a nice body of work for you to enjoy. Um, right. And so I, I listen to all the genres, too. Like, even influences from country and bluegrass um, really? are in there. Um, the electronica sound. Yeah. I yeah. like pop. I, like, I really love house music, especially, like, the late 80s, early 90s stuff. I'm yeah. obsessed with yeah. it. Um, so, yeah, it's I think just I like a bunch the of different sounds. House music. The, the music, some of the music I heard in house in general growing up, I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I was like, this is kind of cool. Like, I remember yeah. I was like, what is this? I didn't know what it was. It was like 95. I was at a skating mm -hmm. rink. I was like, what is this? Yeah, but it was right. cool, man. It was cool. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so, wow, I, I, I never, I didn't think that you would actually want to like, you want to, you would prefer to write for people. So I think that that's interesting. Yeah, uh, it's, I, I just know as a child, me and my best friend growing up were obsessed. Mm -hmm. we, we thought we were going to be the next Jimmy Jam and Ter Terry Lewis. And they actually had parents that believed in their dreams. So their parents wow. were buying them all the nice equipment. I just had my little raggedy Casio keyboard. Man, don't get me but, started on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was one of those kids who was always trying to build a band or something. And, you know, you like when you're like nine or ten and you're stacking buckets and pots and pans and you the drummer. Yeah. And, you know, I was that kid. Mm -hmm. And so, like, middle of high school, me and, like, my friend growing up used to just write and, and produce and, and make songs for other people. And so I thought that was going to be really? where I go. And so the only reason... I ended up even doing the first album. I don't know how it happened because it wasn't in the plan, but I just had a really, really good tax return one year. Wow. And there was a concert I was supposed to go to and it got canceled. And so the money I got back from the refund, because I bought like three tickets because it was like me and two friends are going to go to New York and just turn up for the show. It was enough money to buy a studio. And, and I was like, I'm going to build a studio. Let's just do that. And so initially wow. that first album, how it came about, it was really me just making instrumentals. And I thought I was going to give it to other people. And then I just ended up buying a microphone. I was like, let me do a little shibbity doop doop on this one to see what we can do. <laughs> and then next thing you know, I had an album. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of what happens. And it's kind of dope when you produce your own stuff. Like there's yeah, no definitely. limitations. You And if you have your own studio, you can take as much time as you want. Exactly. I think that's one of the flaws with the industry now is that everything is timed because it, money talks. And yeah, so yeah. a lot of stuff gets rushed. You hear a lot of songs that don't sound full. You mm -hmm. hear a lot of songs where you can tell that the song, the album was made on like, or the song was made on maybe five or six tracks total, including audio and instruments. You're like, yeah, okay. So I think when you have leverage and leeway to do what you want and there's nobody to, you know, hold your foot to the fire, you can really have a lot of creative renaissances on your own as a creator. Right, right. And you know, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the word renaissance because in my head, I just knew there was going to be this resurgence of love music like mm -hmm. for real for especially in r&b i just i was like oh yeah I, I think around like last year or 2019 i was like oh yeah we finna bring love back for real for real for real for real and mm -hmm. then i didn't really see it i was like man <laughs> i was really disappointed but i still kind of feel as though like we that it, it's, a, it's a possibility i think it's coming i think what what i keep saying on my channel 
I think 2022 and 2023 are going to be very interesting years musically because hopefully yeah. by then we would have been out of this COVID thing. I think concerts are going to be so good because Yo. you have people that have planned tours for the last two years that are they're just waiting to get the, the, the green light. And so it's giving people time to go back, restructure, revamp right. whatever ideas they had. You know, sometimes artists keep going on tour and they start half stepping because they, they've toured too much. And so mm -hmm. now that people are hungry again, I think you're going to see a lot of really interesting things because even like you think about like the spanish flu of 1918 1919 yeah. as soon as that was over you had the roaring 20s and wow. it was just all kind yeah. of and i think that's uh, again artistically shout out to the artists that are, are really doing it right now and still yeah. holding that on in this craziness i really like this chloe and holly sister set i like yeah. that they've been able yeah. to i feel like they've given me an actual album era not just an album but like i feel like they're really pushing their work yeah. a lot of albums have uh, we're in this era where the album comes out and you don't hear about it after a week they're yeah, they're like you yeah. don't listen to this album <laughs> right right so. As, you know what um you had mentioned something about different artists i came across uh it's actually it's, it's d smokes it's his it's his brother and he has mm -hmm. a cousin named tiffany Goucher. i heard about tiffany a few years ago and like in clubhouse you it's kind of dope like you just you just there listening to them. They're just regular schmegular people just like us. They're just mm -hmm. on a different caliber in reference to like social status, social yeah. status within the industry and stuff like that. But I've heard his brother, I think he's the oldest one, his Davion. That brother can, oof, that brother can sing, all right? And Are you talking about Giveon or Davion? His name, his oh, name is somebody Dave. separate named Davion. Okay. Yeah, his name is Davion Ferris. That's D Smoke's brother. Okay. Right. So you All know right. D Smoke. He's the cat that 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 raps in Spanish and stuff like that. He was mm -hmm. he won the the show. Was it Rhythm and Flow on network on Netflix? Netflix. Yeah. yeah. So you got Sir. Sir is the uh, is the older brother. I, like I think. Sir too. Yeah. Sir is dope. All right. Yes. Yeah, but then you got Davion. Mm -hmm. I think I think Sir is actually the oldest. It's something. It's something weird like that because I know some type of way D Smoke is like the middle child, so I don't mm -hmm. know how that works. But um, Davion, Dad Joker, I said no way, uh, bro. I, um, I don't. I guess he's out of out of the country or something like that. But he's planning on releasing an album, and it ain't nothing but like love, 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 love. It's, it's oh my god. It made me want to go back to like restart going back and working on some like neo soul stuff. Cause I've been mm -hmm. like as a as a late I've been like really really merging like the R and B sound that I grew up listening to with like what we hear in reference to hip hop now and stuff like that like that the down south sound and all that whatever. But I'm like man, the neo soul out of it it was so organic. I was like, I want to get to that. <laughs> I want to yeah. get back to that because it was so dope. Him. Tiffany Goucher, they played some stuff, and then there's this dude named R and B Kenny. I ain't never heard this dude before in my life, but this, Calvin, this dude did some of the most disgusting runs I've ever heard in my life from a grown man. Oh, wow. It, 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 I'm for real, man. I'm not even exaggerating. It will rival Rance Allen. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> That's just my personal. Look, look. Like, I don't know if he'll do all that, but I feel like it would still rival it. Yeah. I was like, well, okay, you know what? That may it's be a, a bit gift much. To, if you're a good runner, that's a gift. Everybody can't it's a run. Gift. You got you have to have your ear has to be so good Yo. to, to be, do a be a runner. I'm not really the best runner. I don't do too much yeah. running. I kinda walk with my songs, but look, man. Uh, <laughs> I jog yeah, a little bit. A I gift. jog. I try to sprint and then I'm like, uh I'm good. 
So. I can run all day in my falsetto, but it, it, out of my chest voice, it, it ain't coming out right. I'm like, all right, we're going to leave. <laughs> but, so, um, you know what's funny with runners? I think of like um, Tank. Oh, Tank did a song yeah, a few years back with uh, Jay Valentine, and the song's called On My Way. I forgot. Did. Oh, I forgot about Jay Valentine. That she worked yeah. the trouble. I remember yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I'm gonna right. So, but he does. Uh, he actually put out a song, but it was like he didn't really. I forgot the name of it already. Like he put it out. Um, the dude Gazi Shami, the owner of mm -hmm. uh, Empire, he had mentioned it. He's like, man, I didn't know you put out a song. I was like, bruh. I know he's under R&B money, but he's under your company. You still? I was like, well, okay. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones that sometimes they, they just slip under the radar. I really thought yeah. there was a guy, Q Amy. I thought he was really going to blow up. <laughs> Dude, years ago. yes. And because yes. when I heard the song Still My Show, I was like, there's no reason why this shouldn't be on the radio. This dude just I've never heard sang that. everybody under a table. It's a really good. That's probably one of my favorite songs of his vocally. It's called uh, Still My Show. Uh -huh. When it gets to the climax, I'm like, God. Yeah. I mean, it takes me back to like Wanye from Boys to Men when he would wow. bring all the Boys to Men songs home. Like, yeah, same thing. They, they, there's some really great vocalists out there. The industry just, man. Yeah, yeah. And you I know, wish I'm, everybody could eat. That's what I wish sometimes. I wish yo, everybody could get on. Definitely, and I'm glad that you mentioned QRM because I'm like, there's uh, a few songs of his that are my favorite. Is uh, uh, together, T together, mm -hmm. girl. Um, I think that's what it's called. Oh, oh, forever, uh, forever, forever girl, girl. Forever, forever girl, girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah, forever girl, and then uh, over and over again, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's another one he did, uh, produced by B Cox. Yo, B Cox is dope. He's Brian been, Cox. I think he's somebody we could give kudos to for keeping that same love sound theme, bro, out the whole time. He was always gonna give you some piano, he is consistent on, on, with yeah. that. He gives you a good ballad, man. R &B jam. B Cox, he did a song called uh. What is it called? It's in my head because he sampled uh, um, Michael Jackson, "Lady of uh, Lady of My Lady Life." Lady of My Life. Ah, uh, what's it called? Uh, Get at you. It's called Get at You. Mm -hmm. That song. I was, so, so those are like my three favorite songs by that cat. And he did some other stuff, and I was like, eh, whatever. But like those, like his range, I was like, I wish I had that range. <laughs> like in my chest voice, I'm like, I really did. But he's a he's a phenomenal writer. And mm -hmm. I mean, like like how you said, I just really, I was expecting that cat to blow up. I was expecting right. that cat to blow up, and then that was that. But you know what's funny? It's a lot of people like that. Uh, and uh, let me see, because I said an hour, so it's been like an hour. And you, five minutes, you're good. So. You go go until you. No right, man, because I don't want to. No, I don't want to keep you like that, bro. Plus, I got homework for school, so I've been kind of like procrastinating. <laughs> so, but I want to talk about some artists that some people may not know about. And like they did other stuff, and I was kind of like, you should have stuck with R&B. Um, personally, there's a chick. Her name is uh, Tiffany uh, Villarreal. There's another chick named uh, Natasha Ramos. I remember her. Uh -huh. And then there's another chick named uh, Vanessa. I think oh, it's Vasquez. Uh, Marquez. Mar Vanessa Marquez. Mar Marquez or Vasquez? I, it might be Marquez. Vasquez. Va Vasquez. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I like. I had to pull it up. I want you to know. Yes. This love. Yeah. Yes, sir. Dude, that song, that song, because uh, Justin hopped on it. He was like in the background. It was that good was a whole on that one. Yeah. That was a whole vibe. They were supposed to be a group. I don't know what happened. They start doing solo stuff, and uh, basically Tiffany left and became a Christian. I was like, okay, cool. I'm a Christian. Cool. Her music is actually really, really good, but. Uh -huh. The weird thing is that like she talks about relation relational things too. But the church ain't ready for that. Even though you got some acts trying to do it, 
like mm-hmm. your, your Tamla Mans and stuff like that and your Fred Hammonds the church mentally isn't prepared for that you know what I'm saying I was doing that and my pastor, he was like, nah, bro. He said, just go secular. I was like, what? <laughs> That's basically what he told No, for real. It was kind of like when Kimberrell, you remember she released the yes, part? Yes, the love was, album. It was supposed to be like the love song. Yeah, they, yes. they didn't really respond to that very well. Right, and it, but, 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 and I wasn't trying to go into that because I want to talk about them real quick. But he said, he said, yo, you're going to, he told me, you're going to, you're going to be forever frustrated trying to write this music for church people. And I was like, Dang, and he knows. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm really about that life. You know what I'm saying? I'm not playing church, but I was like, well, I was writing it for them. You know what I'm saying? To have something. He was like, Nah, bro. They 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 think they got it, mm-hmm. but they they just as bad as people outside of church when it comes to marriage. They marriages break up. They they mar- They divorce for for worse. You know what I'm saying? You ain't a pastor. I, I'm divorcing you. What the mm-hmm. heck? You ain't my pastor. I'm divorcing. I'm like, bruh. But um, these other artists, like, like they just weren't doing anything. But like Tiffany, her album is actually really good. It's the quality is good. The lyricism, like, it's really dope. I'm like, just go back, do your stuff, but just continuously be a secular act. Intertwine some of the biblical stuff in there, and people gonna look at you sideways. But they ain't gonna deny. They can't deny the fact that it sounds good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But with Natasha. I don't know what happened to Vanessa. I don't know what happened. I gotta find out. But with I, Natasha, yeah. she uh she did um an album and it went it was really, 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 really like like uh mainstream poppy. And I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't oh, like that's it. Really messed up. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, cause I can see if you was trying to like implement some of the elements. You know what I'm saying? But like she went full blown pop and I was like, she rapped a little bit, but it just didn't gel really well. I'm like, you're an R and B artist. And the the problem with going to pop is that I think pop is the genre that gets dated the most because Ooh. you know, it follows whatever mainstream trend is out. And so when the trend mm-hmm. dies, that sound dies as well. That's why I think yeah. I said this on the Usher video, but like even when you talk instrumentations, like live yeah. instruments will help your album have a longer Man. shelf life because a live sound will never be dated. Like I remember the first time I heard Earth, Wind & Fire September, it was when I saw the movie Soul Food and I thought that was a new song just because it sounded <laughs> fresh. I didn't know it was a wow. song from two decades earlier. Wow, the power um, of So, you know, or even I think the first time I heard Michael Jackson's Rock With You, I thought it was a new song. I didn't know it was from 1980 and it was like, I don't know, maybe 1993 or four. I was like, this is, oh, but okay. See, but that's also the power yeah. of good mixing. Like mm-hmm. when a when an engineer is able to mix that music right, and if they go back and say, "Hey, let's re re engineer this for this day and age," and it still mm-hmm. sounds fresh, that's the power of mixing. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's the power of like the instrumentation and how they how intricate it was, but it's also mm-hmm. the engineers as well. So, yeah. But yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good grief. So let me. You know, okay, let's let's talk about her. Um, not not the artist her. Uh, in my head, I'm thinking uh, <laughs> Tedra Moses. I'm picturing oh, Tedra Moses. Oh, Tedra, okay. I love Tedra. Yeah, Man, look, 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 look. Low key, where my wife at? Okay, she ain't here. So she's probably watching this. She might watch it later. Look at me sideways. She was one of my celebrity crushes as a kid. When I heard in high school, so this is when she first came out. Just wanna be your girl. Yeah, I was that like, was a dope song. Yo, I was like, this finna be my wife. Wait till I blow up. <laughs> you know that what I'm saying? Was- dope because i just remember crunk had just really started jumping and then yes. here she comes out left field that it was like the smoothest kind of summer vibe yeah. I was like, this is dope i went and bought that out yeah. i was like wait 
And then the whole thing was good. I was like, okay. Yo, definitely, definitely. Uh, she came out, I think, a little bit after A. Marie, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it was around the same time. Yeah. yeah. And I was just and I was just like, yo, this is really good. And then she did some more stuff. And then her, I think you, I'm not sure if you talked about it. Somebody else talked about it. But it's talking about how she jumped to different labels and like she's with Maybach and they didn't really treat her like she was supposed to be yeah, treated she just had as some a female artist. Experiences because she, she was on TVT at one point too. Really? Um, which isn't here anymore. Yeah, like I remember like 05, she was on TVT, I think. Wow. And so, um, yeah, the labels and the, and the shifting and the switching and the, this person and bouncer. They, she kind of got treated like a Sherry Dennis did with Bad Boy Ooh-wee. almost. Oh, we see, and that's and, so it's so I'm going to talk about another artist, but my issue is when you got people that good, well, you know what? It, I, I think you're going to, I think I know what you're going to say, but it's like then you got people like. You got people like a, a legit J-Lo with their, me personally, I don't think she has no real talent, bro. She can act, she can dance, but she literally has no real talent when it comes to singing. That's just my personal opinion. Like would you, like your Natasha Ramos is your Christina Milian, they, they mm-hmm. didn't did these background vocals, your Ashanti's, they didn't did yeah. that. So then you got T, you got a Tidra Moses that mm-hmm. should be up there with these people. Um, another, uh, another personal favorite of mine is uh Karina Pasion. Are you familiar with her? Uh, oh, six, is that 16 16 at war? 16 at war. Bro, she is yeah. still doing music. She literally stopped doing music and just was Slow like motion. That's what yes. Right. Yeah. yes. Yes, 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 yes. You know what's funny? Fun fact. Um I was like grown, so I didn't really know about her. When I first heard Slow Motion, I didn't hear it in English. Um I was watching a show some Dominican show and I was I woke up and heard her singing in Spanish I was like who is this so she mm-hmm. was already out and I didn't know who she was I've heard her the title before and I was like okay whatever but like maybe like three or four years later I wake up I'm like who is this what is this song this is dope and then I found out she did it in English and I was like okay this is really dope but she's one of That's those cool. artists this is around like it was her and Tiffany Evans Right, Tiff, it, Tiffany, yeah. I enjoyed too. I, I did yeah. buy her album when it came out. Now, yeah. it was actually, it was actually really, really good for her yeah. to be the age she was. Right, yeah, you know, and I was really impressed. And so you got these artists. So uh, I don't know what Tiffany. I think Tiffany Evans stopped. She's married. She got a baby now. Praise God. But um, uh, Karina, she actually stopped doing music. Like literally stopped. It was like, man, I'm gonna be a bartender and just really? sing at a, yo, yo, that really no, I didn't real. know that. Oh Bro, wow, that, re- so that literally happened. I remember her brother. I think it's a, her older brother. He does music too, and he was like, yo, if y'all really are fans of Karina, please talk to this girl and get her back to doing music but she was kind of like jaded and i think it was mm-hmm. politics it, it, it really is I, well let me ask i've heard her song it's like when you're in love i don't know when that came out but i feel like that was a more recent song no that's but it's a nice old. it but oh, it was old. old okay yeah, yeah i don't know maybe like five really nice maybe song. like almost 10 years but it was a dope song oh dang i'm behind bruh, never mind i just bruh, heard it like three years ago i was check like this, this is nice <laughs> check this out she does she does cover songs there's a particular mm-hmm. song that me and my homegirl we both love but it's 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 actually sung by maya and she maya has a version of it oh wait i just noticed that somebody asked me a question oh i just noticed that in the chat i'm sorry okay i'm gonna get to that in a minute so but it's a song that she did uh that maya did with marcus houston it's called I Love okay. Me Some You. So there's a solo version with just Maya. Then there's a duet with her and Marcus Houston. Mm-hmm. In my personal opinion, um, Karina did a better job than Maya. 
like I thought I was, I thought well surely she wrote the song for Maya and you know what I'm saying kind of like to like like sell the song nah it was just a, a regular cover song I was like no way bro <laughs> and but it, it sounded way just her by herself it sounded a thousand and don't get me wrong I'm not no shade towards Maya Maya's a dope singer but Karina is dope you know, I just think sometimes when it's you that, that's written a song, you, sometimes I feel like a lot of these people connect to what they wrote. And even yeah. though they've written for somebody else, sometimes it just yeah. translates better with yeah. the, the initial idea that was in the person's head. Yeah, right, so. right. And so that's my thing. That's how I was like, I'm like, did she write it? I don't think she wrote it. Somebody else wrote it, but she sung it like she wrote it. <laughs> and I was like, bro, I was impressed. I would not listen to the other version. I kept playing her cover song of it. And mm -hmm. like, you can get on YouTube right now. It's just so many views on it. And you'll still hear people like, oh, man, I can't wait for her to come back. And she 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 now has an album out. Um, ah, what's the name of the song? I don't feel like pulling it up. Um, it's a uh, dang. I think it's called like every time something, something, something. I can't think of it right now. But the song is really dope. It's really soulful. She she she's it's not really RB. She's kind of like doing this, you know, with it all almost kind of reminds me of a risky form of Moonchild. If you're familiar okay. with Moonchild. That's different. All right. Yeah. It's, it's risky different. like that. Uh -huh. So, no, but I love Moonchild. Like, no, the no, sister it's that different sings, from like what I would expect. So, okay. Yeah. No, but it's yeah. still like, it still has that like, that modern urban sound that we usually hear in R&B. But mm -hmm. you can tell it's like a, it's, it's like there's ballads. Yeah. It has a ballad vibe. And then before that album, she had another album and then she just like took a break. But, ah. Uh, I can't think of the name of the album. I got the album, but there's a, a song on there, on there. It's literally just a piano and an upright bass, like a live bass. Oh, wow. That's it. And you know, that's a gamble of these days. Bro. Radio, radio will be like, nope. <laughs> Listen, that song, it's pretty much like a jazz song. It, yeah. Like, if she would have wrote it for a, um, what's this girl's name? Uh, es uh, Esperanza, Esperanza Spalding. Spalding. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly if she wrote that, if she would have wrote that song for Esperanza Spalding, that song would have blew up in the jazz world. Mm -hmm. It would have blew up. But the song is called Teacher, and okay. whew, boy, get you a glass of wine and just chill. <laughs> right, so I, I got some research yeah. to do after this. I Word, need to go man. check out a few stuff. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, let me go ahead and cut this off, man. I told you an hour, and it's been 17 minutes. So, sir, please. No, you're good. No worries, me, man. I, I enjoy music myself. talk. I can rant all day, so that, it's, it's not like I feel like I'm working on you. Good. Word, word. <laughs> all right. So, but Calvin, man, um, if you don't mind, let the people that are watching, or will watch, or will be listening to the podcast later on, let them know where they can find you at at the, your different um uh, social media sites if you okay. don't mind. um yeah so youtube is pretty much my largest platform you can just actually type in calvin michaels and i'll pop up mm -hmm. um i'm also on station head i do shows every monday eastern time at 7 p.m on station head you can just look up calvin michaels mm -hmm. um instagram is give me a beat g-i-m-m-i-e-b-e-a-t um there's also a calvin michaels uh facebook fan page as well mm -hmm. Those are pretty much my main outlets. And then as far as my music, it's on all of the digital platforms. So you just type in Calvin Michaels. You should find me on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, iHeartRadio, everything. And then I also do have a podcast, um, Comedically Hardheaded. That's also on all the streaming sites as well yeah. um, under the Comedically Hardheaded title. Word. Yo, and I, and I did check out the podcast. It was 
comical. <laughs> yeah, you, like telling your stories. I, I was like, bro, I thought my life yeah. was hard. I yeah, felt bad. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad. I was like, Jesus, man. <laughs> well, what I've learned in life is like your humor really just comes from how you respond and interpret things. So yeah. that, that's really how that, that is. Because people are like, oh my God, how did you turn that into something funny? I'm like, I don't know. It's just how look, I man, Sometimes <laughs> you got you to gotta go back and like, like when you're older and you look back at it, it is comical. But in the yeah. moment, it's not really coming. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, man. Boy, oh, just real quick. So fun fun fact. There was a story. And I'm gonna leave it like that, then I'm gonna let you go. So um Goof uh a goofy movie came out. Goof Troop, a goofy movie came out. Mm-hmm. So uh this is nineteen ninety-five. My mom, she said, Gerard, if you're hungry, this is right before we played the movie, she said, Gerard, if you're hungry again. Make some more dinner, like warm up, warm up some food. She made some red beans and rice and some cornbread, you know, black people stuff. Yeah. And I said, all right, cool, yes, ma'am. The movie is done. I completely so it's an hour long. Oh, I mean, you forgot. <laughs> you already know. I forget, right? And so I'm about to make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? I go grab the bread. I grab the peanut butter and jelly. I'm like, all right, bet. My stepdad come in. He was like, yo, didn't your mom say? If you were hungry again to fix some dinner, I said, oh, you're right. My bad. I didn't even make the sandwich yet. I just took everything out, Calvin. So I take it. <laughs> I said, oh, I said, dad, you're right, man. All right, my bad. I'm going to go ahead and put everything up and go grab me a plate. I was like, because I forgot. <laughs> this Negro, he said, nah, <laughs> get in the bathroom. You about to get a whooping. I was like, wait oh, a minute. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. So I'm looking at him like, dude, are you are you serious right now? And he was like, yeah. So I'm like crying. I'm like 10 years old like that. Because I get I, I would get whooped like a uh-huh. Hebrew slave, bro. And so I was like, there's no reason why you're whooping me because of this, man. There, you must be mad about something else. You have to be. Because they were, yo, look, man, my parents were whooping me like it was an, like it was an Olympic sport. Yeah, we came out of that era. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a time. Look. <laughs> that was a time. Like, man. Boy, I'm surprised I'm alive. But um, <laughs> so he said, so I'm in the bathroom, I'm crying. I'm like, Dad, I'm like, yo. So I didn't say yo, but I'm like, Dad, you're gonna whoop me because, and I went through the whole scenario. You're gonna whoop me because I I watched the movie, forgot, brought the peanut butter and jelly out, didn't make the sandwich, was gonna put the food back and make a plate of dinner, and you whooping me because of that. He said yes. I said I ain't getting no whooping, and I like ran past him, slammed the bathroom door, ran out the house. This is the saddest part of this whole entire story. My biological father lived. In driving distance, five minutes away from me, my biological father, and never once came to come and see us. I was going to run to his house. Now, that was going to take me like a 15-minute run, Mm -hmm. but I was like, I'm at 10 years old. Oh, I'm fast. I'm not even thinking that my dad is fast, right? Yeah. I'm like, man, I done made it down this street. I done made it past the convenience store. I'm sprinting. I'm like, man, I'm going to my dad's house. He going to protect me because this is some BS, bruh. I, I couldn't even, man, like less than like a minute later, he scooped me right up. I'm kicking and screaming. Yo, he beat the black off me, man. I was so I, mad. I think every <laughs> one of us has, has that attempted runaway story. And it's just, it's a part of the experience. And when I yeah. did that mess, I was still living in Italy. But by the time my mom got back to me, like, you thought you, you gonna run away in a foreign country? What, what you gonna do when we gotta go back to America? 
I'm like, you can go to America and I'll stay here, figure out life. Yeah, that's, nah. that's childhood. That's funny. Yeah, man, yeah. But Calvin, sir, thank you so much. Um, this was really fun, man. Um, yeah, I- I'll talk to you real quick offline after all this. But sir, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Um, and guys, you all listening, watching, uh, be sure to follow him. Please watch his videos. Like, they're so informative. Not just the videos with hip hop, but just the cultural videos that he talks about. The uh, the the um pretty much he's a news outlet as well so please watch man because the stuff is good i mean he my man has some serious common sense it arrival uh tommy lauren okay it'll rival her. <laughs> my, look we ain't gonna get into all that <laughs> uh, <ooh. laughs> but yeah all right y'all so guys thank you for checking out the podcast the supposed to be different podcast um this is episode 47 uh, the uh the hidden the r&b hidden gym uh the r&b historian featuring calvin Sam, uh samuels wow i'm thinking about kevin you've been listening to kevin samuels yeah. <laughs> <laughs> telling on yourself that's a whole other ball game sir but uh but <laughs> uh calvin michaels all right peace y'all god bless